You're listening to Public Domain Players. In the far southern provinces of France, there sat an unremarkable-looking Maison de Santé, a sanitarium, an institution. The unassuming hospital was home to a particular doctor who had created a particular system for his patients, a so-called system of soothing that had led to some remarkable results. Ah, madame! Bonjour, and welcome. Please come inside. Bonjour! You must be Dr. Maillard, I presume? Yes, yes. I have been anxiously awaiting your arrival. You have? Why, I hadn't sent ahead Oh, but your acquaintance, with whom I myself am familiar, telegrammed ahead, alerting us to your arrival, mon ami. But of course. Edgar is a dear friend. And he has spoken very highly of your hospital here. Yes, of course. Please, please, come inside. Right in here, then, please. This is our parlor, where our patients may meet with their visitors. Oh, do you often receive visitors here, being this far out into the countryside? Sadly, no, I must admit. For many of our patients, once they arrive here... They will not leave our premises again, and many have seen the last of their families. Interesting. Is this because they are of any danger? What? No, no, of course not. I apologize. I did not mean to offend. No, no, I understand your intentions. A note for you, sir. Hmm? Ah, thank you. Also a reminder that you have an appointment with Miss Michelle this evening? Yes, yes, thank you. You are dismissed. Miss Michelle, is she a patient? Hmm? Oh, no. A member of my family. My niece. A thousand pardons for the suspicion, sir. The administration of your affairs here is well known in Paris, and I thought it possible that, well, you know. Yes, yes. Say no more. We seldom find so much forethought in our visitors. Many unhappy activities have occurred in consequence of their thoughtlessness. While my former system was in operation, and my patients were permitted to roam to and fro at will, they were often aroused to a dangerous frenzy by injudicious persons who came to inspect the house. Hence, none obtains access to the premises now, upon whose discretion I cannot rely. Uh, A question, sir. While your former system was in operation... Do I understand, then, that your system of soothing, of which I have heard so much, is no longer in use? Oh, regrettably. It is now several weeks since we decided to renounce it forever. Why, I'm astonished! Was it not successful? We found it, unfortunately, necessary to return to the old ways. The danger of the soothing system was ever-present, and its advantages have been heavily overrated. I believe that it has been given a fair trial in this house. But seeing as it was a simpler method, could you not simply have made your own adjustments to the system, rather than foregoing it entirely, is what I mean? We did everything that rational thought could suggest. 
I am sorry you could not have paid us a visit at an earlier period, and then you may have judged for yourself. But I presume you are familiar with the details of the system itself? Not entirely, no. What I know of it I have learned third or fourth hand. Well, I would describe the system as one in which patients were... humored. We contradicted none of the fancies which entered the brains of our patients. On the contrary, we encouraged them. There is no argument which so touches the feeble reason of the insane than that as the argumentum ad absurdum. Remarkable. And you found some success with this? Well, some, yes. We had a man, for example, who fancied himself a chicken. <laughs> the cure for him, then, was to insist upon this as fact. We refused him any diet for a fortnight other than that which properly ascribes to a chicken. In this manner, a little corn and gravel were made to perform wonders. But was he of acquiescence at all? By no means. We put faith in simple amusements, such as music, dancing, cards, certain types of books, and so forth. We worked to treat each individual for some ordinary physical disorder. The word lunacy was never used here. Truly fascinating. A great point for us was to set each lunatic to guard the actions of the others. To instill confidence in the discretion of the madman is to give them body and soul. In this way, we were able to dispose with an expensive staff of keepers as well. You had no punishments of any sort? None! And you never restricted your patients? Very, very rarely. Now and then, the mind of some individual would grow to a crisis, and we would convey them to a secret cell lest their disorder infect the rest, and would keep them held until we could safely dismiss them to their friends again. But now you say you have changed all of this system, and you think it is for the better. Decidedly. The system had its disadvantages, and quite frankly, its dangers. It is now, happily, rid from all the Maison de Sainte in France. I am truthfully very surprised. I had made sure, or so I thought, that no other method of treatment for mania existed in any portion of this country. You are young yet, my friend. But the time will arrive when you will learn to judge for yourself of what is going on in the world. Believe nothing you hear, and only one half that you see. Monsieur Maillard? Now, about our maison. It is clear some ignoramus has misled you. After dinner, when you have recovered from the fatigue of your ride, I will be happy to show you around and introduce you to our new system. A system which, in my opinion, is comparably the most effective as yet devised. Your own invention? I'm proud to report that it is. Fascinating. Now, is there any chance I could see- I cannot let you see my patients at present. <laughs> to a sensitive mind, there is always something shocking in such exhibitions. And I do not wish to spoil your appetite for dinner. You are free to lounge in this room or the next, or to walk some of the grounds, but I must insist you do not head further into the house without my company. Of course. Thank you for your hospitality, Monsieur. But of course. For the time being, I bid you adieu.
After a short but welcome rest, our hero finds herself in the dining room of the Maison, accompanied by Monsieur Maillard. The room was near barren, uncarpeted, the walls without decorations and the windows without curtains. Indeed, the shutters were closed and securely fastened with iron bars. The guests who sat around the table were of an interesting arrangement. Most of them were women, and they sat bedecked with a profusion of jewelry and nearly all in ill-fitting dresses. The handful of men dining looked much the same, wearing clothes that hadn't been in fashion for years, and all those hanging disproportionately off their frames as well. Please, everyone, we have some special guests dining with us this evening. We have a wonderful spread before us here, and I am sure all will find something to their liking. So please, bon appétit. This is truly a wonderful display, sir. I hope you did not ask the kitchen to go to such lengths at my account. Just a few luxuries, here and there. Now, please, eat. Enjoy. Yes, of course. And where do the patients eat, if I may ask? Ah, uh, well, they... Speaking of patients, oh, you'll enjoy this one. We had a fellow here once. He fancied himself a teapot. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, is it not especially singular how often this particular madness enters the brain of a lunatic? There is scarcely an asylum in France which cannot supply a human teapot. Ours was a Britannia-ware teapot. He was very careful to, uh, polish himself every morning, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Why, that's interesting. Did this gentleman ever... Oh, oh, and not long ago, we'd a person here who had gotten it into his head that he was a... Donkey. <laughs> Which, allegorically speaking, you will say, was quite true. <laughs> he was a troublesome one, he was. And for a long time, he would eat nothing but thistles. And he was perpetually kicking out his heels, just like this. <laughs> Monsieur de Coq, I will ask you to behave yourself at dinner. Please keep your feet to yourself. Why, I was only... I know what you're doing. But is it necessary, pray, to illustrate in so practical a style? Our friend here can surely comprehend you without all this. Upon my word, you are nearly as great a donkey as the poor unfortunate imagined himself to be. Mille pardon, mademoiselle. I had no intention of offending. A thousand pardons, please. Yes, of course. It is of no... Allow me, mon ami, to send you a morsel of this veal a la Saint-Menol. You will find it particularly delicious. Oh, thank you. But to tell you the truth, I am not particularly partial to veal a la... Veal a la Saint... What was it? Well, I don't find it agrees with me, unfortunately. But I will try some of the rabbit. Of course. Pierre? Oh, oui, sir? Give him a serving of the rabbit au chat. Of course, sir. The rabbit what? Rabbit au chat. It's divine. Why, thank you. Upon second thought, no, I will just help myself to some ham. Fine, then. Pierre? Ham. Oui, sir? There was one individual we had here, whom we all know. She took herself to be a bottle of champagne. 
She always went off with a pop and a fizz, if you can imagine. <laughs> and there was that one who mistook himself for a frog, which, by the way, he resembled in no small degree. I wish you could have seen him. If that man was not a frog, I can only observe it was a pity that he was not. He would croak as such. <laughs> I've taken upon myself to say that you would have been lost in admiration of this man. Why, I have no doubt of it. Do you remember Monsieur Deleroy, who went mad with the idea that he was a pumpkin? Kept asking the cook to make him up into pies, which the cook refused to do. For my part, I am sure that a pumpkin pie a la Deleroy would not have been very capital eating indeed. You... You astonish me, sir. <laughs> Very good indeed. You must not be astonished, mon ami. Our friend here is truly of wit. You mustn't take him to the letter. Well, certainly, but even still, I, I cannot... Use was the most sensible person, you know. She had common sense. She found, to her unfortunate deliberation, that she had accidentally been turned into a chicken. But even such, she behaved with propriety. She flapped her wings with prodigious effort and would walk the house just. Now, please, Madame Joyeuse, I will thank you to behave yourself. You can either conduct yourself as a lady should, or you can quit the table forthwith. You may take your choice. Monsieur Maillard, that cannot be the same Madame Joyeuse. Madame Joyeuse was a fool. Hmm, but there was much sense, actually, in the opinion of Mademoiselle Salsafette. She was an exceedingly beautiful lady, and painfully modest, who thought the ordinary mode of dress indecent. She wished to dress herself, always, by getting outside of her clothes. Instead of inside. <laughs> it is a thing very easily done, after all. You only have to take off a glove, such as this. And then, perhaps, a shoe. And then, you start removing your garments as such. Mon Dieu! Someone please assist! Oh, you will have to forgive this display, mon ami. It occasionally happens that, in visiting our maison... Those who visit find themselves a bit more uninhibited than they would otherwise be. I should certainly say so. But I must ask you, sir, how many do you have in your care? At present, we have not more than ten altogether. And the majority of them female, I presume. Oh, no. Every one of them men. And burly fellows, too, I can tell you. Really? I have been given to understand that the majority of patients were traditionally of mine own sex. Generally so, but not always. Remember, you must not believe all you learn. Some time ago, there were about 27 patients here, and of that member, perhaps 16 were women. But lately, matters have changed. Yes, 
have changed very much, as you see. Hold your tongue. And this woman, this good lady who just spoke the cock-a-doodle-doo, she is, I presume, harmless. Harmless? Why, whatever could you mean? She is only slightly touched in the head, I imagine. Mon Dieu! What is it you imagine? This lady, my old friend Madame Joyeuse, is as absolutely sane as myself. She has her eccentricities, to be sure. But all people do. T- to be sure, to be sure. And then the rest of these ladies and gentlemen... Are my friend and assistants. What, all of them? Assuredly. And we could not do without the women. They are the best nurses in the world, for they have a way of their own, you know. To be sure. But they all behave a bit odd, yes? Don't you think so? Odd? Why, do you really think so? We are not very prudish, to be sure, here in France. We enjoy life, do much as we please, you know. Yes, I'm sure of it. I meant no ill will by my questioning, I assure you. By the by, Monsieur... Did I understand you to say that the system you have adopted was one of harsh severity? By no means, no. Our confinement is necessarily close, but the treatment is rather agreeable to the patients. And the new system, you said, was of your own invention? Partially, but not wholly. Some portions are devised by Dr. Tarr, of whom you have surely heard. And again, there were some further modifications to my plan, made by the celebrated Feather, with whom I'm sure you have had the honor of making an acquaintance. I am ashamed to confess I have never even heard either of those names before. Good heavens. You're telling me that you have never heard of either the learned Dr. Tarr or the celebrated Professor Feather? I am forced to acknowledge my ignorance, sir. Nevertheless... I feel as humble as the dust, and I will seek out the writings of these extraordinary men forthwith. Say no more, my good friend. Now, join me in a glass of wine. The pair drank then, surrounded by the motley arrangement of fellow diners, all engaged in their own erratic conversations. At some point, someone rose and placed a record on the gramophone at near deafening volume. But none of the guests seemed to pay it any mind. Sir, you mentioned something before dinner about the danger in the old soothing system. How is that? Yes, there was occasionally great danger. There is no accounting for the whims of madmen, and in my opinion, as well as that of Dr. Tarr and Professor Feather, it is never safe to permit them to run about unattended. A lunatic may be soothed for a time, but in the end, he is apt to become obstreperous. When a madman appears thoroughly sane, indeed, that is the time to put him in a straitjacket. But the danger of which you're speaking, sir, have you had reason to think liberty hazardous in the case of a lunatic? In my own experience? Why, I may say yes. For example, a similar thing occurred in this house not long ago. The soothing system, you know, was in operation, and the patients behaved remarkably well. And sure enough, 
One fine morning, the asylum keepers found themselves bound, hand and foot, and thrown into the cells, where they were attended, as if they were the lunatics, by those who had usurped the offices of the keepers. No, I have never heard of a thing so absurd in my life. It is fact. It all came to pass by means of a stupid fellow who had taken it into his head that he had invented a better system of government than any other. He wished to give his invention a trial, I suppose, and persuaded the other patients to join him in overthrowing the reigning powers. And did he succeed? No doubt of it. The keepers were kept. Well, I presume a counter-revolution was soon effected. Those conditions could not have long existed. There you are wrong. The head rebel was very cunning, as many a lunatic is. He allowed no visitors at all. With the exception of one day, he allowed a very simple-looking woman with whom he had no reason to be suspicious. He let her in to see the place, to have a little fun with her, and then he sent her about her business again. Incredible! And how long did the madman reign? Oh, a very long time. A very long time indeed. Precisely how long, I can't say. At least a month, certainly. And in the meantime, the lunatics had a jolly time of it, doffing their own shabby clothes, raiding the wine cellars of the chateau. They lived well for their freedom, I can assure you. And what was the particular treatment which the leader of those rebels put into operation against the keepers? Why, a madman isn't necessarily a fool, as we have discussed. And it is my honest opinion that his treatment, actually, was a better treatment than that which it superseded. Good heavens! The lunatics sound as if they've broken loose! I very much fear it is so. There, grab them! Ah, uh, you must excuse me, mon ami. What? What are you? A scene of the most terrible confusion ensued. Monsieur Maillard threw himself under the table as all the guests jumped up, erupting in a cacophony of different noises. In rushed a crowd of ten men, all of whom were covered in a thick, black substance, and all of whom looked like they had just ran through a field of goose down, as they were quite coated in feathers. They worked quickly, subduing the dinner guests as rapidly as they could. Monsieur Maillard! Monsieur! Please, all will be well, please! Visit again soon, please! Monsieur, I fear I must take my leave of this place. The feather-covered men continued to chase the guests around the room. As Monsieur Maillard scrambled about under the table, so our hero took their leave, briskly walking out of the Maison de Santé, the sounds of the dinner party gently fading behind. What a journey this has been. There is so much to report, if only I can remember it all. And I must be sure to search the library when I return, for the works of this much-esteemed Dr. Tar. And Professor Feather. Hello, everybody. James Wipert here. I am the founder and executive producer of Public Domain Players. Thank you very much for listening to this, our third Halloween show this year. Um, we've had a lot of fun making these, and we hope you have enjoyed listening to them just as much as we have enjoyed putting them together for you. Uh, this story, The System of Dr. Tar and Professor Feather, was directed by myself, James Wipert. It was written by me, adapted from the original short story by Edgar Allan Poe. 
The main cast of the episode appears in the following order. Armand Lane as the narrator, Pierre, and the guard. Kevin R. Free as Dr. Maillard. Kayla Gallinat as the reporter. Special cameo appearances were made in this episode by Lucas Iverson, Larry Oblander, Ethan Jesse, Caroline Ametti, Kira McFarland, and Evelyn Dumont. Thank you to all of them for lending their voices to some of the um, more eccentric characters in this piece. You can find more about all of the actors, including websites and social media links, in the description of the episode. The Public Domain Players logo, as well as the designs for all of the Halloween shorts, were designed by Bad Otter Design House. You can find them at bad.otter on Instagram, and contact them for any of your graphic design needs. You can find Public Domain Players on social media. We are on Twitter at Public Players, and on Instagram at Public Domain Players. We post some fun things there, updates about different shows and stuff like that. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash publicdomainplayers. We've got several different tiers there that you can subscribe to, starting at $1 a month. You can get early access to episodes, you can get script downloads, early announcements, you get behind-the-scenes looks, all kinds of really cool things. So if you're able to support us, you can do that right there, and we would very much appreciate it. We do ask that you leave a good review on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to this on, whether that is Apple Podcasts or Podbean or Google Podcasts, wherever it is, just a good review and a good comment uh, goes a very long way in helping more people find the show. And then if you can share the show with your friends and family, we would really appreciate that too. We don't advertise at all, so we solely spread around based on word of mouth, so we very much truly appreciate people sharing the show. All right, one last time, I am going to remind you to go vote. If you're listening to this the day it comes out or the day after it comes out, there are not many days left to do that, but you've still got time to do that if you haven't done so already. If you have, cool, great, good job, congratulations. We appreciate that. Um, but yeah, definitely make sure you go and do that. It is very important. And that is about it. Once again, thank you very much for listening to all of our Halloween shows. We put a lot of hard work into them. We are very proud of them, and we think they're really good, honestly. Um, and we hope you do, too. We do this for the love of it, and we hope that you're really enjoying them, because there, there are some great stories out there that don't get heard or seen as often as others, so we're trying to give voice to some of those. That's why these little short episodes are perfect for short stories like that. So thank you very much for listening, and we will see you at Christmas with another story, but you'll find out more about that soon. Thank you.